If you find yourself enjoying the Taillights podcast, do me a big favor. Go on to Apple Podcasts and rate it five stars. I really appreciate it. I want to show all of my hands This song's for you If you had it like me and I was in your shoes I'd probably hit on me too See when you're getting big cash tags All the haters hate that Cause they hate to see you be successful I want to show all of my hands Morning to all the haters out there, and thanks for tuning into this special episode of the Tail Lights Podcast. All of them are special, I suppose, because they mean a lot to me, and I hope they mean a lot to many of you as well. But tonight, uh, or this morning, depending on when you're listening to it, I'm interviewing Carrie Barboza of the Bernie Star, who has been in Bernie for around 20 years as a sports reporter there and has covered a lot of the biggest moments in Bernie ISD and Comfort ISD and Bernie Geneva. Uh, history. So we'll be covering all that, and I hope you enjoy it, and let's get after it. Thanks for tuning in to the Tail Lights Podcast. I'm Eric Thormalen, and today I'm joined by longtime Bernie Star sports reporter and editor, Kerry Barboza. Mr. Barboza, how you doing? Hi, Eric. How are you? And just call me Kerry, please. I've um, known you long enough. I think we can be on a first-name basis. Yes, sir. All right. Well, we'll do, Kerry. Uh, you know, uh, it's a pleasure to have you on here, and, and as I always start off with people, um, you know, that I interview on here. Tell our, our listeners a little bit about where you grew up and what your parents did. Well, I grew up, I grew up in San Antonio, and my dad, uh, my mom stayed at home, and my dad worked at a uh, meat processing plant, a slash slaughterhouse kind of a deal right there at Swift and Premium on the south side of San Antonio at Laredo Street and where the old stockyards was. And he worked there about 40 years. Um, basically, he did that and served in the Navy. Those were his only two jobs as an adult. And uh, I worked there a couple summers, and I tell you, that was hard work. <laughs> it was back-breaking work. It, it was, uh, you know, and I, thinking back about it, I, I couldn't do it nowadays because, you know, year-round, they would, they would slaughter, I don't know, 800,000 hogs a day, and... When you're around it, I didn't think anything of it back then, back in the day, over you know 20 years ago, or whatever. But now I, I couldn't be around all that kind of death and, and all that blood. I, I just it's just something I couldn't do right now. But so they would do uh, the live. It was a great opportunity for me to learn about hard work. And you know, my dad was up at 4:30 at work at six every day, and mm-hmm. he just worked till there was no more work. And he worked six days a week, and he, he never taught me this is how you work with words i just watched him and that's how i learned about hard work and you know being being a good employee and and, you know following the rules and and, you know just uh, giving your best to the employee and being a good employee i learned all that just by watching him like i said he never said a whole lot about it but just watching him do that and he did that for about 40 years and then he retired and then uh was just uh at home with my mom, and uh, he passed away, unfortunately, in 2013. And my mom's still alive, though, so... And she's still living in a house that her and my dad built in the 1950s, and it's the house I grew up in. It's on the south side of San Antonio, so 
we go visit her quite a bit, and it's always fun to go back home a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So at, at that meatpacking plant, not only uh, are you, you know, you're dealing with all the, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, I didn't realize when you said he worked at a meatpacking plant, it just didn't click for me that that would also involve the slaughtering of the animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I didn't do that part of it. They did that, they would do that outside, uh, and then they would, um, the next days when we would get them, they would, they would hook them up, hang them overnight, and then there were guys that would, you know, and they would come down a chute, and, and that's when they would be cut up into different the ribs and the and the pork and the ham and all that. That's when they would get broken up. It would be an assembly line type of deal. And <clears throat> I worked there two summers, and uh, I tell you, that's when I realized, you know, I, I mean, they're going to use my brain or my brawn. <laughs> I didn't have much of either, but I just decided that I would use more of my brain than my brawn because I, I tell you, I was it. In college, and that was just hard work. I mean, you were you were lifting boxes of meat, you know, sixty pound boxes, fifty pound boxes, and you just did that all day. And that's when I realized, you know, that it was uh, not something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. My life, and how my dad did that for forty years, you know, that's yeah. something. Is, um, and it was thirty degrees in there where we would cut the meat. It was thirty degrees; they had to keep the meat cool uh, so it wouldn't spoil. Yeah. So I remember working there in the summers. It's 30 degrees, and you go outside, and it's 100 degrees. Yeah. And you go, you you take a break, and then you go back in, and it's 30 degrees again. So your body <laughs> would have to adjust to 70 degree, <laughs> uh, you know, weather changes, and and it felt like your skin was gonna melt after you got outside or you went back inside. But I bet. You know, to me, it was all it was all good. It was all a life lesson, and. Uh, you know, I, I just did different things on the assembly line wherever they needed, and uh, I didn't actually have to do the actual killing. But, I, you know, I did go down there and watch it a little bit, but it, like I said, I, I just didn't, I just wasn't much for that. And I, I couldn't do it nowadays. I couldn't work there nowadays. So that was yeah. a different time, I guess, in my life. And uh, But, I, but it, you know, it taught me a lot of life lessons, and it taught me, taught me the value of hard work. So yeah. it was a good experience for me. Where did that put you, like, uh, at high school based upon where y'all live? I mean, I guess I'm taking it you went to high school in San Antonio, right? Right, yeah. Uh, we were actually in the Brackenridge district is where I was supposed to go, but I ended up going to Jefferson. Mm -hmm. I went there and ended up going to Jefferson. We, My uh, sister moved out there, and so I ended up moving out there with her during high school, and so yeah, basically, you know, grew up in San Antonio and, and like I said, still live in San Antonio. I have friends down there and uh, all that. So where I grew up, I still I still see neighbors from the, the old neighborhood and stuff like that. So uh, it was it was you know San Antonio is my hometown and so there's there's a lot here. It's it's a growing city, as you know, living in Bernie. You grew up in Bernie. It's a good you know it's San <clears throat> San Antonio is basically growing up to Bernie. It seems like yeah. Um, it's coming right up to it, but uh, so yeah, I, I spent my formative years uh, in San Antonio, basically. Okay, and so uh, did you do anything in high school that that kind of led you into the profession that you're in now, or does that late, come later in college? Well, it was interesting because uh, my dad and mom were a big; they were big sports fans. They they always went and my brother went to Jeff and I had two sisters and we all went to Jefferson and they would go to all the games like they would go to the football games every year 
And then when we stopped, when we graduated, they would, they still would go to games. And, and they just loved sports. And so I would always, growing up, I was just always going to games with them. And I was just around sports a lot. And that's how I, you know, that's how I, I think, got an understanding of sports, just going to games all the time and watching. And I remember at one time, my parents would go to Alamo Stadium Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night to watch football games. And, and that was kind of their hobby. That was kind of what they did. You know, that was what they did for fun. They would get out and they would go to, to football games. And that's, that was their free time. That's what they enjoyed doing. And so it got to the point that the guy at Alamo Stadium recognized them so much that he said, you know what, you guys don't need to pay for tickets anymore. I'm going to give you guys a pass. So he gave them uh, season passes. <laughs> so they were, they were able to go to games on Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night. And then, like I said, as a little boy, I didn't have a choice. I had to go with them. And so I was always around games, and it was, you know, football, basketball, baseball primarily. And I think it was at that point where I, was, I would watch a lot of sports, and I, to me, I just kind of developed an understanding of it, mm-hmm. about strategy. I, I could see that. I could see strategy playing out and uh, different offensive plans, defensive plans. And, uh, and at one point I thought about being a coach, uh, but I thought, no, I'd, I'd rather write about it, you know, and then, so, and, and not so much be around it like a coach is, but just more from a, a, a distance, observe it and watch it and talk about it and write about it. So I, I think growing up and going to all these sports uh, with my parents, all these games, I think was, uh, a, played a part in why I became a sports writer, just because I was around it so much and I, I felt like I understood it, you know, so... And that was definitely a big part of why I became a sports writer. Well, and I think uh, the good ones do understand the game, you know, as you mentioned and everything, and especially in many ways to write good articles about things, you've got to be able to understand more than just, you know, most coaches, they only coach one sport, but a sports reporter, they've got to look at every sport. And you can't, you know, if, if basketball is your only thing, that means you've got eight months or so of boredom <laughs> that, that are yeah. in your columns. And that's that's uh, the good thing I'd say uh, certainly for you is that you you seem to take a a genuine interest in so many different sports there in Bernie. You could read any of your articles uh, that you put out over the years on different sports, and you could always tell you 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 took an interest in the sport and you took an interest in the kids, and and that really shines through. So as we get into that later on here, well, well, thank you, and you uh, yeah, I always felt you know one of my Journalism, journalism teachers told me, you know, one of the things he said that's always stuck with me is he said, you know, to, to, have, to be a clear writer, to, be, to write clearly, you have to be a clear thinker. And so, in other words, pre, you know, clear thinking precedes clear writing. So if you're going to write a good story, you have to think clearly. And so in the sports world, to me, that means you have to understand what you're writing about. So I, I can't go to a, a game and then not understand volleyball and then try to write a volleyball story. It doesn't work. So... <laughs> I try to, you know, so, and then being at Bernie where you basically cover every sport, you kind of had to develop an understanding of the sports that you cover and strategies and and scoring and and offensive systems and rotations and things like that. You know, in volleyball, you know, one setter, if they use one setter, it's a 5-1 in volleyball, it's a 6-2. So things like that, you just pick up on things like that, stuff you wouldn't know unless you watch the sport and learn. And so... I always felt that, that understanding it was 
and then trying to write about it, the only way I could write clearly is to understand what I was writing about. So, uh, but but I just I do enjoy watching sports. So if I'm not covering, I'm usually watching something on TV. So I just enjoy being around it. So, yeah. but thank you, thank you for the kind words, though. Thank you well, very you, much for that. You bet. I, and I, I again, I know we'll talk more about this later and everything. But for many of our listeners that maybe uh, if any of your family or or other people come on to this and they haven't listened to the previous 47 episodes of this podcast. There are several people, uh, several coaches, I should say, from Bernie and others that uh, both you and Russell Hawkins come up with. And, of course, I've interviewed uh, Russell for this podcast as well. But you both come up. And one thing we frequently talked about on this podcast is not only was Bernie very fortunate to have one good uh, situation where, I guess, one good newspaper where, you know, stories were being put out about kids, but we had two and and great pictures of kids great articles about you know it just i think it helped generate so much of the success of bernie uh, of their athletics you know I, i'm not even sure like i spent two years in friendswood i'm not even sure if there's a paper there <laughs> i i never met anybody from the paper there you know well, so I'm sure, if, they, I'm sure they do i mean i don't know who it would be but yeah, and, and the, you know, the funny thing about Russell and I, Russell Hawkins, and you mentioned him, and he's still there, and he shoots for us. He works for us for the Bernie Star. He, he does our football games. Mm-hmm. Uh, he shoots the Bernie High football games. But I remember when I fir- first met Russell back when I started at the Star in 2002. We were on the track out there, and it was right before a soccer match, and somebody introduced me to him. We talked a few minutes, and, uh, you know, he was, he was cordial, polite, and then, of course, you know, he's working and I'm working. And for a while there, it, it, between he and I, got it got competitive between us. You know, it was it yeah. was a competitive thing between us. We liked each other, but it was competitive. <laughs> and he was trying to outscoot me, and I'm trying to outscoot him. You know, and uh, so, but I think at a certain point, we both realized, look, this this is a job. It's an important job. What we do is fun, but it's it's not going to be more important than our relationship, our friendship, and. So he and I have been good friends, even though, you know, at, at first, you know, it was a little rocky just because there was, there was some competition going on there. Right. But we both, I think, realized that, you know, we're, we're friends and that's going to be the most important thing. And, uh, you know, he, and he's been a great friend to me and, and almost like a father figure in a sense, because, you know, when my dad passed away in 2013, he was, you know, Russell uh, donated some Bibles in my dad's name uh, to the Gideons. And and he did the same thing when my wife's father passed away, and so and he and I have lunch. We we try to have lunch even to this day about once you know once a month at least maybe more if we can. I think we had lunch two weeks ago, and then so we become really good friends. And in a way, you know, he's kind of become a father figure to me, even though we were competitive at one point. And. Uh, you know, he's, he did a great job at, at the Hill Country Reporter, and he took that job serious, and, and so did I, and I think that's where the competition part came in. But uh, and, you know, on top of that, we just kind of both realized that, we, you know, that this is our friendship is, is bigger than any kind of competition. So, Well, I just want to submit, too, for our Bernie <laughs> listeners here. I know there are a lot of people in Bernie that do listen to this podcast and everything, and I want them to know that how sincere I am in saying how fortunate I feel Bernie was for so long to have both of you covering things. And now they still have both of you. You're just on the same team, uh, I, I guess yeah. you would say. But, I mean, in Friendswood, two years, I met I met 
three different reporters on two occasions from the Galveston newspaper. That's it. The Galveston newspaper. So, again, when you talk about, I, I mean, because, you know, like, whether you like it or not, you know, Bernie or Friendswood or Lake Travis, a lot of those kids that, you know, they come from kind of money-type communities, however you would say that more appropriately. I guess somebody can catch me up on that later. But, you know, communities that have kids that come from a lot of money, I mean, a lot of the time, you know, your social media stuff now is a big deal. But back during that time, being in the newspaper was kind of a big – it was a really big deal. Not kind of. It was a really big deal. And, I mean, they just – they they don't have that in, in every place. And it's important for Bernie people to know that. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, um, I just looked at it like, oh, well, I'm just doing my job, and right. <laughs> you know, I would I would go to, to tennis and cross country, and you know, some of the sports tracks, maybe some of the sports that don't always get as much coverage as say football and basketball and baseball, the big three, you know, golf. I would go to golf tournaments, and to me, I, I just looked at it like, well, they all play, you know, so I'm going to go ahead and just just you know cover them as well they deserve the covers just as well and i think i think the people in the community have appreciated that you know that the fact that i get to other things than just the big three sports right uh, so well going back I remember, to and i remember you know covering speaking of covering i remember covering you when you were in high school back, <laughs> back in the day when you ran cross country i remember that well after you tell uh our listeners today the 10 biggest stories in your opinion of the two decades almost i believe it's nearly two decades you've been there in bernie reporting sports uh after you tell them they're 10 i got my own number one that i've got to share that might get under okay. a buddy's that might get under a buddy's skin we'll we'll have to see <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm you got me curious now let me ask you first before we go on to that where, where did you decide after uh, high school where did you decide to go to college undergrad I went to Old Roberts University in Tulsa and then I after that I went to Regent University in Virginia Beach and and I I worked on my master's at Regent University and I graduated uh, from Regent in 1999 and that's in Virginia Beach and it it was a tough going to college in a city with a beach that was kind of real real rough but (laughs) Uh, <laughs> Those stories will be I for another did. podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I graduated from there in '99 from Regent, and then uh, I took a job. That like I said, that was in Virginia Beach. I took a job about an hour away, uh, and that was in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, and that was my first job in the business. And I worked at a daily newspaper. That was my first job, starting at a daily. And I remember it was a, it was July of '99. It was that same week or same month that John Kennedy Jr. got killed in that plane crash, where his plane crashed in the ocean or something like that. Because I remember that's all that was on the TV that weekend, yeah. my first weekend there. And so I stayed there at that job for about two, two and a half years. Uh, and I was when I first started, I was the utility reporter. And I had, I had to cover, I just did whatever they needed me to cover. I covered sports, I covered news, I covered feature stories. And then at one point, the news writer left, one of the news reporters left, and they shifted me over into that department. And I realized just, just covering hard news, you know, budget stories and county commissioner meetings, and that just wasn't for me. That just, 
Uh, that just, I remember I had to cover a hospital board budget meeting. And they're up there crunching numbers, and I'm just scratching my head trying to figure out, boy. Yeah, that's when I realized I enjoyed this, but that part of it was not for me, the, doing the hard news. Now, I did enjoy doing feature stories, talking to meeting people. I got to meet some, some actors and Hollywood people and uh, musicians and athletes at golf tournaments and stuff like that. Who would you well, That was pretty neat. I, I had a chance to meet a... I had the opportunity, I should say, to, to, to interview Tiger Woods, but I, I, did, I passed on it because for some reason they wanted us there at the golf course like at 7 in the morning. And I wasn't going to get up at 7 for Tiger or for anybody. I would have to get up at like 5.30 because I was living an hour away. And I would, I would have to leave by, you know, 6. So, uh, But I had opportunities like that to meet some people like that. And then, so that was kind of neat. And then I was there about two and a half years. I became the sports editor at the paper. And then um, I was working all the time, working holidays, nights, weekends. I'd go six weeks without a day off, stuff like that. And that's when I said, yeah, it's time to shift gears. And I had been one, I'd been away for five years now, if you count graduate school, and then like two and a half years at the paper. And it was just time for me, I felt, to come back to this area, to come home. And there was an opening at the Bernie Star. I applied there, ended up getting it. And uh, there had been an opening there like a year before, and that guy, Nick, I don't know if you remember Nick. Nick was the guy that, I can't remember Nick's last name, but he was there for about a year. But when that came open, I didn't feel like I was ready to leave, and I didn't feel like I was ready to, to work at the Bernie Star. I had to, I felt like I still had to spend some time up there and work on my craft, and so I stayed up there a little bit longer. And then when it opened the second time after Nick had been there a year, then it was time I felt, and I applied and I got it. Um, I didn't find out till later. I was like the third choice, third or first, cho third or fourth choice to get the job. Uh, wow. One guy had it, and they, he agreed, then he turned it down. Another guy had some family things, and he changed his mind. And, and so they just kept going down the list, and they finally got to me, and I finally and I accepted it. So I wasn't the first choice. I wasn't the first choice to get hired, but uh, so. Uh, I'm glad they, they came down to me because I, I, I took it. So I'm glad it, it made it down as all those other people turned it down for whatever reason and that they ended up going with me. Yeah, no kidding. Sometimes being the, the third or fourth choice isn't, isn't uh, a bad thing if it ends up working out where you end up being the choice that they go with and it ends up being the thing that you want to do. I mean, you know, it, I think sometimes it stings a little bit coming into a situation knowing you're not the first choice maybe you got a chip on your shoulder you got something to prove to everybody but i would certainly say 20 years later almost you've proven it <laughs> and yeah i i, I just I didn't know that i didn't know that till I, I had been there a while i think a year and the guy one of the guys said you know you weren't the first choice and I, really i didn't know that <laughs> yeah they had this one guy that he had been at the star before and he moved out to houston and he was going to go back but then the houston paper hired him full time and then another guy was had some family deals, and his wife moved, and he wanted to be with her. And then he changed his mind, and then he and by then they had offered it to me. And so, uh, yeah, and so, then I, you know, I, when I think of something like that, I, I think of someone like Audie Murphy. And I, I'm not comparing myself to Audie Murphy, but yeah, you know, he's the most decorated soldier in World War II. Right. And he's a guy that nobody wanted. He was only what five yeah. four, five six. And the Navy didn't want him. The Marines didn't want 
became the, the greatest soldier, the most decorated soldier in American history. He won the Medal of Honor and, you know, just did some great things out there. And he just, he just got the chance. And that's why all I wanted was just the chance to, to come back to San Antonio and, and cover sports and basically, you know, my own backyard of, of San Antonio, basically. My own hometown, basically. So what year is that exactly that you arrive? And Bernie, it was February 2002 was my first uh, first month at the Star. Okay. And when I got there, I had no idea how long I was going to stay. No idea. Gotcha. I didn't know 20 years later I'd still be there. <laughs> no idea. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, of course, obviously we've gotten to that point now where we're at the Bernie Star. And, and since February 2002, you know, one of the big things I wanted to go into with you here today, as I, I mentioned to you probably two weeks ago, I believe, was let's talk about, you know, from your perspective, what are kind of the top 10 stories or moments or, you know, uh, however you would say it, um, you know, in Bernie ISD athletics history. And so you agreed we would do that. And, and, um, so here we are. So I guess I'm going to ask you, can, if you don't have anything else to add about your build up to Bernie, you know, what is number 10? Oh, well, you know, I started thinking about, it and I started making the list, uh, last weekend is when I started it. And I've, I've kind of been, tweaking it uh, throughout the week when I would think of something. And I have to say, um, some of the things aren't necessarily BISD. For example, like Geneva, the impact that Geneva School of Bernie has oh. had in the community. Yeah. And in a way, it's kind of affected Bernie. In the, you know, Bernie ISD, it's affected that in a sense. Because now there's a, there's a private school in Bernie that competes athletically at, at TAPS, you know, and... Um, but you know that's uh, so that that's kind of changed the community. And you've had kids go from Bernie High to Geneva, and kids can go from Geneva to Bernie High or Geneva Champion or Champion to Geneva, that sort of thing. Well, and I I didn't so, think about this when I asked you, you know, and I'm not even sure exactly how I framed it now, but I mean. Um, you know, in terms of the Bernie Star, not only do you guys cover the Bernie Athletics, but you also cover the Comfort Athletics. And one of the guests that I've had on here, well, multiple of them, but, I mean, Paul Talbert, going back to, Paul a, Talbert, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of big stuff that came out of Comfort, too, and I don't I don't have any idea if any of that's going to be on your list, because, again, I don't know if I said, you know, since you've been at the Bernie Star, what are the top ten sports stories kind of a deal, but, or if I said in Bernie ISD, I don't, again, I, I know I wasn't careful how I worded that, so if you've got anything that hits on any of my other past guests from Comfort on, you know, Paul Talbert or Billy Neighbors or something, I, I would have, I would be surprised without that uh, introduction that you just gave into that, but, um, yeah, I mean, you, you know, again, it's crazy to me to think that Comfort gets better sport, high school sports coverage than Friendswood did, but... <laughs> uh, the benefits of the Bernie Star and 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 others there in the past. So, hey, uh, uh, the Bobcats are good this year. They're six and zero. Oh man, I noticed they put they, quite the thumping. It's, it's their first six and zero start since oh two when guess who was there coaching them? Paul Talbert. Oh wow. Yeah, I mean, I noticed that they uh, they put quite a thumping on uh, Bandera here uh, recently, and so you know. Yeah, but who? But who hasn't? Yeah, yeah, that's true too. <laughs> um, I know you were you were in Bandera for a while, right? Yes, sir. I, I, at, uh, in 
your coaching career at Bandera? I student taught there, substituted there after student teaching, and then got hired there as a junior high uh, teacher and coach. And and after a couple of years of getting my feet wet and feeling like I was you know comfortable enough in the profession, um, I took the head coaching job out in Ozona. And and I mean I love my time in Bandera. Great people out there and. And uh, I've got a, another Bandera coach lined up here in a couple months down the road. Steve Goldman won four state titles in cross country out there in a row. And uh, so I'm always trying to pay a little bit of homage to some of the places that I've been. But I guess it's kind of hard to do on that comfort game there. So <laughs> we'll just yeah. fast forward. <laughs> uh, and, and uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Bandera. They've had a great problem because you're here cross country, you know, background. They've had great cross country teams, especially on the girls. I believe yeah. it won state. That's uh, you know, Steve, Steve Goldman, a uh, gentleman that I worked under there uh, that I will be interviewing here in a couple months after the cross-country season's over. He coached them to four straight state championships in girls cross-country. and yeah, yeah they, they were great. Yes, sir. And so they've, they've been on a little bit of a downward slide these last couple of years. But, you know, I mean, you can't be number one every year, I guess, so. That's true. Although Bernie Bernie ISD has done pretty well in their cross country programs over the years. They, so you know you were part of all that. They certainly have. The yes, sir. Well, I mean, and again, you don't even have to rank them one to ten if you don't want to. I mean, you, we just you know you throw in some honorable mentions too. But uh, if you ranked them one to ten, we can start with number ten or however you'd like to do it. Okay. Well, uh, number ten uh, to me. One of the neat things that Stan Leach, did, Stan Leach did, the athletic director, is that he created a Hall of Honor. Mm -hmm. um, that was started, I believe this is about the 10th year that we've had the Hall of Honor. And you know Coach Leach very well. I call him Coach. He's not a coach anymore, but right. I'll always, always call him Coach. But So will um, I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So will I, Mr. Barboza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Played for third place, 
and they won that game in Austin. And so that was the first medal in Bernie ISD history by a team, by a Bernie ISD, Bernie High School team. Yeah. And that was 1958. And since then, you know, there's been a, a bunch of medal winners, not, not so much team championships. That didn't start till the 2000s, but there was a lot of individual winners and medalists and all that. But that 58 team, they're, they're kind of the ones that put Bernie, Bernie on the map, you know, uh, with making it to the state finals. And, and you know, the Canavans were a part of that. And, of course, um, John Canavan... He still has the greater San Antonio area record for scoring 67 points in a game, basketball game. Uh, that's still a greater San Antonio record. Um, and I talked to him about it, and he had, I don't know, 37 points at halftime. And he said usually by then the coach would let us, he would take me out, he'd play other guys. But he said I was having such a good game. He said I decided to ask him if I could stay in there and just kind of finish out that game. And he let me in. He scored 30 in the second half. And that was before there was a three-point line. <laughs> so everything was inside. Right. And they were playing San Antonio Northside, which is now Marshall. And so uh, that was that was in 50, that was in the 50s as well. I think 55 or something like that. So, and then John went on and played at the University of Texas for a while. And he ended up at Trinity. Uh, and he played his years at Trinity. So, and John's a big, tall man, about six seven. So he had a great career, great high school career. And so people like that, you know, the the '58 basketball team, John Canavan. You know, think back over the years, all the all the different people that have come through there. Courtney Darter, who's won a state championship. The '0304 teams. You're in the Hall of Honor. You're in the Bernie Askey Hall of Honor with the cross country teams. Am I? Am, so, may I ask you real quickly? Am I still the only person to take a limousine? To that whole ceremony. As far as I know, yeah, you're the only one. That's one of the, the only one that I know. Of. One of the best, uh, I, I thought, <laughs> from my perspective, one of the best um, moments of all this podcast when I talked to Jennifer Fox, probably like interview twenty six, twenty seven ish, somewhere in there. Um, you know, and we were visiting about this, and I told her about how I took a limousine to the Hall of Fame, and I told the driver, "You make sure you pull in with the tires screeching." <laughs> You know, and and everything, and I, I don't know. It was just a good time. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and they've all been at the Dominion. This one's going to be this year because it's the four team. It's going to be a lot of people. It's going to be at the um, Capitol Springs this year. It's on October twenty third, that Friday, whatever that Friday is. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, as far as I know, you're the only one that's ever showed up in the limousine, Eric. Well, pretty, I'll tell you sure, what. Pretty sure that's the case. Well, that that uh, lets some people know that if they'd like to be second place to me, you know, here here you go. <laughs> yeah, maybe they can uh, be the first. You know, maybe show up on a horse or something different. Be the first in in another area or something. You know, and, and excuse me, I want to I want to add on to a couple things that you said there about 1958 and how that's kind of the start of some special things that are going on there. And you look just a few years later there, I think 63 was that first ever Bernie team that won a playoff game. And I think they were y'all's one of y'all's first few classes, weren't they? Yeah. Football, football. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, I, I should have. They graduated in uh, 64. Of course that was the, you know, if you're fall 63, then you graduate to 64. Yeah. So I remember we, we put 63 football teams, and people were calling, that 63 team wasn't any good. 
you're thinking the class of 63, which was the fall of 62. Yeah, right. The fall of 63, which is the class of 64. But, yeah, they got in there. They won the first ever football playoff game. They only had one loss uh, during the regular season. So they were 9-1. and one. They won the first playoff game, made them 10-1. and one. And then they lost in the second round. So I, I believe they finished 10-2. and two. Which the ten wins that stood for a long, long time is the most. What and two? You think as a lot of the guys that I've interviewed on this have mentioned, you know that prior to like nineteen, I don't even remember nineteen, maybe nineteen ninety one, nineteen ninety two, or something like that. Only, only the district champion was getting in. I know in the eighties that 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 was still pretty close. I think maybe in the eighties actually is when they started allowing two teams in somewhere there in the mid to eight, uh, mid to late eighties, but. Point being, I guess, is that everybody you're playing in the playoffs on that 1963 team is a district champion, also. <laughs> so yeah, that, that, that's a good point. That's a very good point because you're right. It was only one team at, at one point, one team per district, like you said. Yeah. And so if you had if you had number one and number two teams in the state in the same district, only one of them is going to get out. And that, that's so unfair when you think about it. Uh, right. If you had two top two top ten teams, they're not going to both get to play. <laughs> Only yeah. one, so you got to win that game against them. And you it, saw that a lot, San Antonio in the sixties and seventies with with Lee and Churchill. Mm. You know, Tommy Kramer and all those those guys. They, I mean, Churchill was good coming around. Cody Carlson. They had to beat those guys because uh, the only one of them got to go. And then it was two, and then it became three, and now it's four, and. Uh, there's, there's there's been instances where a fourth place team has gone on, you know, to the state finals. So, uh, you know, the big thing, I guess, the big thing, Carrie, I remember about Cody Carlson yeah. is when I was a kid on Super Tecmo Bowl, when you were the Houston Oilers and Warren Moon went out, Cody Carlson was your quarterback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and you couldn't. Great. You couldn't. Well, but you couldn't run that quarterback sweep the way you could with Warren Moon. You know, and so I got a little bit of ill feelings toward Cody Carlson, but with, yeah, I mean, what you just said is not lost on me because the the second guest that I ever interviewed, Mike Williamson from Bandera, they were third place in district that year they won state, and they won state yeah. in double overtime as a third place mm-hmm. team. I mean, think about just chances and chances and chances and things that just fall into place perfectly, and they're the one left standing at the end, and they're number three in the district. Yeah, and that would have never happened back in the in the sixties and fifties when it was just one team. You know, right. that would have never happened. Yeah. So, um, so it is. It was more opportunities, and now it's four. And I know uh, I've heard of a fourth place team making it real far. You know, that just barely got in, but they got hot at the right time, and maybe they're battling injuries and and all that. So, yeah. So it's it's a good thing, and. Uh, so that yeah, so the, the Hall of Honor, you know, honoring those teams, the '63 and the '58, and, uh, and you know, all, all these cross country teams that are coming up, and there's there's been a lot of winning in Bernie, and that's probably one of the reasons I stayed there because it's so much fun to cover teams that win and you know go deep every. You can pretty much count on a Bernie team uh, going to go deep, you know, every year. Some, right. So yeah, that's just pretty much automatic. Yeah. I I would argue all day long that it was a lot better when there was just one high school in the fold or, you know, even kind of the residual effect of having one high school like the first the first few years of champion, you know, when 
Bernie High School was just kind of, after being shut down completely for a year, you know, everybody went to Champion, and so it took a few years for Bernie High School to really start building back up. But, I mean, you really, in the first few years of Champion and all the way back to the moment that you get there, I mean, because February of 2002, you are – you're about 18 months from the first ever state title – and I don't know how many state titles they're at now, but I know they got six in boys cross country. So I would imagine it's at least a dozen. But yeah, I was trying to count. That was one thing I was trying to count uh, the other day. Um, I want to say it's. I want to say it's eleven. I want to say oh. it's five at Bernie High, and six at Champion. Okay. And and and, and yeah, and it's six of them are cross country. I was thinking, you know, baseball, softball, soccer, uh, I don't know. So maybe I overshot it there, you know, too. But, you know, then the six cross country. And and then you got just one last year with girls cross country. So there's seven cross country, correct? Yeah, that's right. Because the champion girls won last year. So adding that into the mix, I mean, you've got close to a dozen, which a dozen in, in, you know, less than 20 years, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, if you don't have anything else to add about number 10, we go on to number nine. Yeah, other than I'm, I'm glad that, that, that uh, Coach Leach decided to, uh, Jonathan Cluck is the one that approached him about doing it. And uh, he thought about it, and then I think he realized it was a good thing. Kerrville has one, other schools, colleges have them, other high schools have them. Some have them just by the district, like SAISD has one for the district. And um, not so much each school might have one, but the, the district does the main one. But um, and, and they, they thought it was a good thing. And then one of the things they did is they went to a couple of ceremonies. They went to the Kerrville one. They went to a college one just to see how they did it, get some ideas. And like I said, we've been doing it, been doing it ever since. And I've been on the board ever since. And I, and I, and I really think it's a, a good way to remember the past and to honor those that have come before and have done I'm a big proponent of that. I mean, and I'm trying to remember. Here it is. It was last week's podcast with Coach Dickie Fought from Ozona. I was talking about how when I got to Ozona, I believe I said that, you know, between all the pictures that his girls teams had put up and, and also the boys cross-country team there in 2004, that I would – I mean, I had my kids come in every year and – take a knee right there that I was there and look up there and ask themselves why they're not up on that wall because they're, they're not any different. They're kids, you know? And I think when you, when you make a decision to be a a school that honors the past, you find yourself in a position a lot more to repeat that history, but that's just my take. Yeah. And, and our thing is, you know, we have more, athletes that deserve to be in than there are spots yeah oh (laughs) for sure we only only let in a team and and two two or three individuals depending right and you know some and someone jokingly came up to me and said my grandfather wants to know why i'm not in there yet (laughs) (laughs) and he he was on one of the state championship teams and he was joking i could tell i i tell you i don't know that the grandpa was 
I do have my own group I'm going to advocate here for in just a little while. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, and I don't know that how many people will ever advocate for them, but I'm going to make a case here just a little bit. But, um, you know, for a group that I, I think is a, is a really good, important, you know, and I'm good friends with one of the guys that was on it. So <laughs> Those, you know, they're going to get in. It's like I told this kid. It's just a matter of time. It's not if. It's when. It's when, right. And the first few years, we were just trying to get all those 58 and 63 and, you know, uh, Richard Herms, uh, I believe, is the first individual state winner. He's a track guy. Um, I believe that was his name, Richard Herms. And he, he was the first guy that won a state medal in Bernie. And he was, he was part of that 50 in the 50s. And so, you know, guys like him, it was about getting them in, getting those guys. Right. Some of the past, unfortunately. And then the ones that haven't, you know, like the 63 team, those guys are, you know, what, they got to be in their 60s, 70s at this point. So it was good for them to get the opportunity to kind of enjoy that. Right. You know? Yeah, definitely. And and I know I've talked to uh, one of your committee members as well. Bill Sultanfuss has been on the podcast before, and I'm not sure exactly how much we talked about you know uh, the Hall of Honor during that episode or whatever. But I know that in in some of my conversations with him and stuff, one of the things that we've talked about is how beyond what you do as an athlete because honestly if you're really talking about what is the benefit of high school athletics it should be stuff that sets you up to be very successful beyond also and i i think i i don't know if i've mentioned that to him or he mentioned it to me but i know it has come up with us before and i know that we've gone down that road and 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 talked about that because i if you remember at the hall of honor deal that that uh, my group got in at one of the things I mentioned was that to me, yeah, I, we were fast. I guess that's why we're here. But really the most exceptional point that I would make about our group is the fact that every single one of us has either a college degree or an, you know, four of the seven have an advanced degree. And I don't think degrees are everything, but you know, our coach did. He put a lot of emphasis on what we were doing in the classroom too, and that is what made him as good as he was, in my opinion, so much because he went beyond running, you know. But yeah, you talking about Coach Fulkerson? Yes, sir, Coach Dave Fulkerson. Yeah, he's he's known around Bernie as the legend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's, he's got, I believe, six. State titles, right? Yes, sir. Coach, state championships, and uh, we 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 made an exception for him because when that 03, 04 teams went in, uh, he was the coach, and and usually a coach has to be retired ten years or yeah. five years. There's a we have a like a little rule there, but we we made the exception, and so he's got to go in with with those guys because he he deserves it. And if you're gonna make an exception, he's the guy you make the exception for. Sure, know? I mean it, not only the six state titles, but you also have a uh, girls team runner up there, I believe, in 05 or 06. And then, I think, yeah, and then you have uh, multiple bronze medalist teams. And then uh, to top it all off, you have a national high school championship, which is incredible. Yeah, that champion. That's cool. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, definitely that's the guy you make. Rules aren't for everybody, I guess you could say. So <laughs> there's a guy they're not, not, not necessarily for. So, number nine, I believe, right? Yes. Um, 
Well, on this one, I, I know you'll relate to it. I, I, I thought it was a pleasure and a lot of fun to get to know Sam Champion. You know, I've, yeah. I've never met anybody who's had a high school named after him. And Sam was a great guy, and it was, it was great to get to know him and, and uh, spend time with him. And, you know, one of the things that stood out to me is uh, he would do a coloring book every year with the basketball teams. He would have uh, kids draw up or he would have somebody draw up the, the, the kids on the team and put them in a coloring book. And he always included me and Russell in those coloring books. Uh, so that was always kind of neat. And I, I remember when I first started at the Star, I went down uh, to his office because I had some photos and I didn't know who the kids were. I just went, I think, to a cross-country meet or a soccer meet. I had all these photos and it was like, okay, and I printed them out and I'm like, okay, I need to get names. And I thought, who would know all the names of all the kids of all the sports? So I go to Sam's office and uh, he's like, oh, hey, and he's always glad to see you, you know. Yeah. And um, and he says, oh, he says, what do you need? And I said, well, I, I got I got some photos. I need some names. And like I said, I've only been there like a month or so. And he says, you know, okay, let me see them. And I give them to him. And, and uh, he's like, okay, this is such and such. And he's just writing them down. Like everyone, he didn't even, he didn't have to think about it. He just knew all the kids from all these different sports. But that, that was that was Sam. You know, he was just that way. He loved the kids and showed. And, uh, you know, so I was glad they named the, the new high school after him. Well, Kerry, since you bring that up, I'm going to offer this up. I still have a notebook with 1,663, I believe it is, signatures for the petition um, uh, that I led, Bob, whatever, that, that was – I mean, they were going to name that school – Hill Country High School or Cibolo Creek High School. That's what I was told from the committee. Right. And right. and I felt like, no way. You're not going to have a new school in this town uh, and not name it after Mr. Champion. And so, you know, I, I put that petition together and everything. And what I'll say is I, I've always hoped that at some point when, you know, some of the stuff wore off down the road and everything, that maybe there would be a principle there that the case that they have, maybe they would put that – you know, that uh, binder I have with all those signatures, you know, maybe in that case as well. Because to me, all those people that signed that, they're the reason that it is. I mean, you don't have a whole lot of schools named, you know, high schools named after a local legend like that. And I'm going to tell you right now, it was like selling jackets to people moving to Alaska. It wasn't hard. It wasn't a tough sell. From my end, and so I don't. I'm not asking for any credit or anything. I'm just saying that I hope at some point maybe somebody will say, "Yeah, we'd like to put that in the case too," because it wasn't me. It was the community. The community said we want that school named after this incredible person. And I really hope as time goes on that it doesn't fade in people's mind that he doesn't just become like a name, as many people do. And what's so cool about doing this podcast is. I didn't even ask you about Sam Champion, and here we are. We're talking about Sam Champion. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and what's funny to me is what, when you meet somebody that doesn't know Bernie or, or Champion, they say, well, what kind of champion? That, that's arrogant. Why are you yeah. call her champion? They'll like, well, no, it's named after a guy. That was his, that was actually his, his last name. He, that was, Sam Champion was his name. That was. They're not calling themselves champion. That was just his name. It was named after a, a principal, a former student. All that, but you know, I, I think when I think about Sam, I think about two things. One is I remember I was in the office one night working, and there was a the cleaning crew came in, 
they would come in on Friday nights and they were in there working. And I think I just got back from a basketball game or I was going to a game and there was there was a girl working and so it was, you know, two or three uh cleaning people in there working and one thing kinda of young, teenage ish, right out of high school, twenty ish. And I asked her if she'd gone to Bernie High and she said, Yeah, I did, I, I graduated and uh I said, Did you know Sam? champion she says oh yeah she said you know i had i had some trouble in, in school and i had to go you know to summer school and all that and she said he paid for all that for me you know just because he wanted me to graduate on time and graduate with my friends so he paid you know and he helped me with all that and and that's something that nobody would ever know sam wouldn't have told anybody sam right. wasn't that kind of guy to go around you know, and so that's just kind of the guy. And you hear stories like that about him now that he's passed. You know, you hear a lot of stories about him like that. And another thing, of course, is his Sam's Kids project, which I believe is still around, that helps uh, kids in the Bernie community with a lot of different things. So he definitely, you know, that's the big talk in Bernie is leave a legacy. He, he definitely left a legacy. Absolutely. <clears throat> no doubt about it. If you don't have anything else to add about number nine, we can uh, we can go on to number eight. Well, I thought uh, we were talking about Coach Leach. I thought what was neat is watching him get 800 career wins as a basketball coach. Absolutely. Uh, I thought that was pretty neat. And, and there's other coaches, you know, Troy Arantine was there, and I believe he got 500 wins uh, as a coach, a volleyball coach, and he's since moved on, but... Uh, watching all these coaches get milestones like that, 800, I think that's number three, and I could be wrong. I think it's number three all-time greater San Antonio uh, as far as number of wins. And the only two guys in, that have ever coached basketball in high school uh, San Antonio history have more wins than Coach Leach does at 800. And he would, if he were the coach, if he if he didn't hang up the whistle to become the AD full time, you know, and just focus on that 100 percent, he would get the record. Um, he he would he would have the all time record for most wins. Well, I, I but, think so too, uh, and and I'll even add to that and say that when when I was on the board and we were getting ready to split the schools, I don't remember if I said it to Coach Leach or to Dr. Kelly or to who, uh, but I mean. I visited with people and I agreed that, you know, I felt like there was a bit of a, a conflict of interest there, so to speak, that, you know, in being the head basketball coach of one school and being the AD of both. And I got to tell you that in, in hindsight, definitely during those early years, I don't agree with that anymore. Because to me, you look at what champion basketball later achieves with, um, I know Rob Moore's is his big star player during that time and everything. And you look at Bernie as well, you've got Kimball McCone over there and, you know, you've got coach, uh, you're going to have to remind me of the baseball coach's name that uh, did a lot of great things over there as well. But I mean, Yes, that's who I was going to say is Coach Merrill that's at Bernie High and has been there for quite a while. He hired just as good quality of coaches, I thought, from from Dane Johnson to, uh, you know, uh, I'm not sure exactly the timeline of different people that came in, but I'll just say overall, without going down all the names and stuff, I felt like Coach Leach did a great job hiring just as good a quality people when you really look back at that. And to me – 
I, you know, I don't know. I don't know uh, the whole parameters or whatever around him deciding not to coach basketball anymore, but I totally agree with you. I think he'd have reached that, that same level. And I think he yeah. did a great job managing something that most people couldn't have. Yeah, and I've, I've learned a lot watching Stan because, you know, he has to deal with a lot of parents, especially when he was a coach. He had to deal with a lot of parents. And um, every once in a while I get a call from a parent <laughs> at the star about something, not happy about something. We get, we, you know, we get those. That's the thing about Bernie. Bernie citizens are involved. And right. so they call a local newspaper about stuff they don't like or whatever. And so I'll get I'll get calls and um, but you know I, I I learned a lot watching how Stan dealt with them, and how he how he handled all that. Um, so I, I learned a lot from him, and I agree that he he's he's made some great hires. Um, he hired a soccer coach uh, who had been at like Sam Houston. They have no kind of soccer program, and you know, she could barely field a team and over there. She had to walk around the halls trying to recruit girls. He hired her, didn't have any kind of impressive record, and then he, she gets there, and then she takes to the state tournament uh, two years in a row. And they win uh, silver one year, and they win bronze the next. And, and I'm sure there were other people who applied who uh, probably had a better resume, probably more wins, and that sort of thing, but... You know, he, he's always made the right hire, I believe. And, uh, yeah, there's been some, I don't know, famous coaches in, in Texas, you know, that have applied for the Bernie jobs. And I said, you don't want to hire that guy? And he said, no, because he's going to be here a year. He's, this is just a stepping stone. He's going to be here a year and then move on. And right. I want a little bit more stability than that, you know, than to just have a guy here one year. So there's, there's some big names that applied for jobs in Bernie that he just, you know, didn't, didn't want that and didn't feel it was a good fit. So he always hires a good fit for the sport and all that. So he's, I've learned a lot from, from watching him, how he handles uh, all that as the AD. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you may not always agree with it and stuff, but I mean, honestly, he has a good finger on the pulse of that community of what's going to make them successful. And I just don't think anybody can argue that. Well, folks, I hate to cut it off right there, but I've got to for tonight. We will cover number seven, six, five, four, three, two, and one sometime later in the week but for now all i have to say is goodbye and i think goodbye says it all Woo! <laughs>
Thanks again for listening, and please remember, if you could, to go and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Until next time.